Parenting hacks. I can't believe it. It's week four. I'm wrapping up the series this week. And today I want to talk to you about discipline. Discipline. There was a father that was walking by his son's bedroom. And as he peered into the bedroom, he was shocked. The room was cleaned all up. It was looking just clean. Everything was neat, tidied up. His bed was made, and he noticed there was an envelope on his pillow. And he walked close to the pillow and noticed it said, Dad. And so he opened up the envelope, and inside was a letter written to his dad. And this is exactly what the letter read. Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Lucy, and she's so nice. But I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercings, tattoos, and her tight clothes, and because she's so much older than I am. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. Lucy said that we would be very happy. She owns her own trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We want to have more children together. Lucy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana really doesn't hurt anyone. We will be growing it for ourselves and trading it with, one, with other people in the community for all the cocaine and ecstasy we want. In the meantime, please pray that science finds a cure for AIDS so Lucy will get better. She deserves it. Dad, don't worry, Dad. I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure, we'll be back to visit, and we'll bring all our grandchildren. Love, your son, Don. P.S., Dad, none of this is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. I just want to remind you that there are worse things in life than a bad report card that's in the center of my drawer. I love you. Call me when it's safe to come back home. I like this boy. He might be a Cooper. I like him. <laughs> As I read that story, I'm sure there were different thoughts going through your mind about how you would respond, how you would discipline this child. And, and there are a lot of different ways to discipline. And actually, today's message is a little difficult. It's a little challenging to teach because there are, are different, a different set of application if you have a two- or three-year-old versus if you are raising a teenager. And the reality is I know as a communicator of God's word that every one of you are facing different scenarios with your children, and even your home circumstances are completely different than someone that's sitting around you. So there's no way that I'm going to cover all the different scenarios in parenting from zero all the way to 18 years old in a 30-minute message. So that, that, that won't happen. But today I do want to give you some biblical tools, some practical biblical tools to help you and your parenting, help myself. And I also want to offer you hope. I want to offer you encouragement today. And I think the best way for me to begin this message is by saying there is no, there's no quick fix. There are no quick fixes. So as you hear today's message, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to go home and start applying that. And man, praise the Lord, they're changed tomorrow. No, that's not going to happen. There's no quick fixes. I'm not giving you gimmicks today. I'm not even giving you a system today because we're talking about people. 
and people are different. But I want to say this, if you will trust the Lord, if you'll lean into the Lord and you will apply these biblical principles, it will have a profound impact upon your children and upon your home. Let's begin with God's word. We, we, we teach the Bible here at People's Church, and the Bible is the foundation of all of our teachings. And the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 17, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. And I want us to understand that disciplining our children so that we can mine out the treasure that God has put on the inside of them is very biblical. Discipline is not my idea. It's God's idea. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. There, there's a window. There's a time frame that, that your discipline will have the greatest impact. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And so there, 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 there's a, a right way. Even God's word gives us some insight on how we should discipline. And there are some right ways to discipline. And there are some wrong ways to discipline. And I want to begin today by giving you four wrong ways to discipline. Four wrong ways to discipline. And, and Tiffany and I have used some of these wrong ways. We are not perfect parents. We have made mistakes just like you. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his forgiveness. We're not starting today and going backwards and beating ourselves up. We're starting today and we're moving forward and applying what we know today. So no condemnation in Christ. We've made mistakes as well. Four wrong ways to discipline. Number one, threatening your children. Threatening your kids. And let me confess, I have threatened my kids more than once. But, but I have learned that fear or the punishment becomes the motivation for change. And they're, they're not thinking about the reason to do right. When, when, when we threaten our kids, they're thinking about how not to get in trouble. And that works for a moment. That can work for a season, but it doesn't work down the road. Threats are not the best motivation to get right behavior. A second wrong way to discipline would be the repeating parrot. The repeating parrot. This is when the parent keeps saying the same thing over and over and over, and the child doesn't listen, so they say it over and over, and they get louder and louder. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And finally, the child stops, or maybe it's the counting system. Don't do it. One, two, three, four, five, six. And the child finally stops. For some of you, it's on 16, but that's a whole other message. Don't have time to teach that one today. And, and when, what, what we have to understand is we're teaching our children more in disobedience than we are in obedience. Because we're basically saying to them when we, when we use a repeating parrot, we're basically saying, don't listen. Don't listen to me. You have to listen to me. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. Now listen to me. And we don't want them to follow our instruction on three. We want them to follow our instruction on one. A, 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 four, a third wrong way to discipline would be the bribing parent, the bribing parent. And this is where we bribe our kids to have good behavior. I'll give you a cookie if you behave. And, and this really teaches them to, to only do the right thing if they get what they want. And, and then here's what happens when they get what they want and they realize, okay, if I get what I want, if I, I'll have good behavior. And what they begin to do is they begin to manipulate us to get what they want. And then we begin to manipulate them to get what we want. 
And this may seem okay when they're little, but this type of thinking is harmful down the road that our children think I'm going to do the right thing only if I get what I want. That's not what we want to sow into our kid's heart. A fourth wrong way to discipline will be misusing compassion. Misusing compassion. This is when we say things like, you've made dad or mom sad today. Or it hurts dad or mom when you do that. And I do think it's okay for them to know that they've disappointed us or, or that their behavior, their wrong actions have impacted other people. That's good for our children to know. But it's also very important that they understand that their bad behavior impacts their own life. So, so it's not just do right or you, 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 you did wrong and you made dad or mom sad. No, no, no. It's do right for your own life. It's, it's do right and to change so that you can have a successful life. You know, as a parent, you're thinking, hey, I already have my education. I already have my job. So it's not about me. It's about you. So as you, when you mess up, look what you did to you, not look what you did to me. So it's not change just for us, it's change for you. So we just want to be careful about not to misuse compassion. And, and I, I want to I now focus, I've talked to you about some wrong ways to discipline. I want to shift gears and give you five important insights to effective discipline, some right ways. Five important insights to effective discipline. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice it that in the way he should go. So the scripture says there is a right way to go. There's a right direction to go. There's a right path we want our children to go on. And if we're, when they're small and we're raising them, if we don't teach them to get on the, the right path, we don't teach them the right way, if we, we don't teach them to put them in the right direction, what happens when they get older, they don't go back to it unless God does a miracle, unless God shows up, unless God sends somebody. They have nothing to go back to. So it's really important that we're getting them on the right path, the, the right way. Train up a child in the the way he should go the right direction. I want to give you some of those directions today, five right directions we want to take our children on. Number one is this, first-time obedience. First-time obedience. We, we want to teach our children first-time obedience so they can win in life. And if we don't teach our children first-time obedience, what will transpire is it's going to hinder them from winning in life. Now, I want to encourage everybody to take some notes today, to, to, to get, you have your pen, write some notes, or get your phone out. Take some good notes today. Somebody says, well, I don't have children. Well, take some notes for your neighbor's kids. Come on, somebody. Take some notes. Take some notes for your grandkids. Take some notes. Come on. Take some notes to invest in the network. Man, this is so helpful that we're going to all invest in the next generation and have some good tools. First time obedience. And if we don't teach them this, it's going to show up in their life and hinder them. And it could even happen when they're a little child. And, and maybe you're outside and you're walking on the sidewalk near a busy road. And as you're walking with your child, they, 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 their hand lets go of yours and your hand lets go of their, theirs. And, and man, the, the, the traffic is coming and you say to your child, don't, don't run into the street. But, but they don't understand first-time obedience. and They don't listen to you. And now they find themselves running into the middle of a busy street. First-time obedience matters. Or maybe they're in the classroom with their, their teacher, and, and their teacher is telling them to stop talking and, and to get their work done, but they're not listening, and they don't listen, and they don't listen, and now they get in trouble by their teacher because they never learned first-time obedience. Or, or, or maybe it's even 
when they're in an athletic program and the coach is giving them direction, but they don't listen to the coach. They don't listen to the coach. They don't listen to the coach and they, they didn't learn first time obedience or it shows up when they're an adult and they're at their job and the boss is giving clear instructions for all of the employees and they don't do it the first time. They don't even do it the second time and it hinders them at work because they never learn first time obedience. And first time obedience is so so key so that our children can win in life. And first-time obedience is similar to a candle. And this candle right here, somebody pray for my lighter. Oh, there it goes. This candle right here, let me tell you about my candle. It is consistent. It doesn't get mad. But it does burn if you touch that flame. There's a flame on this candle, and even a little toddler or a little kid, if they touch that flame, they won't touch it a second time. Because the flame causes pain. And pain is actually from God. And it teaches us what's wrong and what not to do. Pain is from God. God gave us a nervous system so that we could identify pain. And so because we have a nervous system given to us by God, if I touch this flame, if you touch this flame, we'll pull our hand back because we feel pain. That's from God. If you, if you put your hand in, you, 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 you poke a needle in your hand, you, you pull your hand back because you experience pain, and pain is from God. It lets you know, man, move your hand. You're going you're gonna to damage yourself, and so you move your hand. Even when you and I are sick in our body and we experience pain, man, that pain is from God. It lets us know something's off in my body. Something's wrong with my body. And so we go to the doctor so that we can get the problem corrected because we are experiencing pain in our body. Pain is a God thing and a good thing. Pain is from God. Matter of fact, God actually disciplines us as his children. And one of the goals of discipline is pain so that we learn. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7 says this about our heavenly father. As you endure his divine discipline, God even disciplines. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are, an, you are Ill, illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God, notice this, God discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Verse 11, so critical. Now, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there's the key. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living, of right decisions, of right behavior for those who are, notice the word, those who are trained in this way. Pain is a God thing and a good thing. It teaches us. It trains us. It keeps us from trouble. It's a signal that something is wrong. It communicates to children the value of good and evil. Now, let me say that this is so key. This is so key because some of you are like, mm, preach it, Pastor Payne. Let me say this to you. I'm not talking about being harsh. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about flying off the handle. 
I'm talking about lovingly disciplining your children so they learn first-time obedience so they can win in life. And one of the big keys to teaching our children first-time obedience is consistency. And what's awesome about this candle is it's consistent. It's not mad at me, but if I touch it, it'll burn. It's, it's consistent. It's not changing. It's just consistent. And, and if a, a kid touches it, it'll go, oh, it's, it's painful. But, but it's not mad at the kid. It's just saying, don't, don't touch this. This, this flame will, will burn you. And so the, the child develops a very healthy fear and a healthy respect for this flame because the flame will burn you. And that's a lot like first-time discipline with, with children. And, and it's like they, they do it. When they, when they do wrong, it's not one, two, three. No, when you touch that flame, it's, it's oh, my goodness. And that's what first time of obedience is like in children. Oh, my goodness, the, 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 this means business. The, the, they're serious about this. Here, here are the rules, and we've got to just be really consistent with what rules we want our children to follow and then consistent in how we discipline our children. And I think sometimes children are just guessing because it's not like the candles. Sometimes our parenting, it can be all over the place, and we got all these different rules. And that's why you got to be careful even the rules you have for your children because you're not going to follow through with all those rules. It's like, don't open the kitchen door longer than 10 seconds. I mean, really? Is that really? Are you going to follow that on that rule? And so you got to just be careful that you're consistent, and then you got to be consistent with your discipline because otherwise they're thinking, well, you said it was okay yesterday. Now you're saying no today. Is it right or is it wrong? And you got to be consistent like this candle. I think another thing about being consistent like this candle with first-time obedience is parents, we have to really learn just to be consistent with our emotions. I think sometimes our children, I've done this to my children, I must confess, sometimes they're guessing about how we really feel. Like, are you happy today? Are you mad? Are you upset? I'm trying to gauge you. Are you going to scream? What are you thinking? And they're trying to guess, and we have to remove emotion and, and, and reacting to all of the situations and be able to respond like this candle, being consistent. This candle has not changed. It's not mad, but it will burn you. It will burn you. And first-time obedience is something that we want to teach our children so they can win in life. Just look at your neighbor right now and say, mm, mm, this is good. Mm, this is good. Go ahead. Mm. Number two, number two, number two. There, there is a, a, a second as we look at the five insights to effective discipline. Number two is limit choices early on. You got to write this down. Write this down. Limit choices early on. You don't want to give your children too many choices before the establishment of their moral conscience. You see, in the early years of, of parenting with your children, you're shaping their conscience. You're shaping their behavior. You're, you're training their heart. And, and you don't want them now just making decisions when they're little because they don't understand the power of decision making. They don't understand the ramifications of their decisions. So let me give you an example. So you don't want to ask a two-year-old what you want for lunch they, they, they don't process well right then they're gonna tell you cookies <laughs> cookies pizza and cookies more pizza and cookies 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 so, 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 so when, when our children are smaller we limit their choices because if we don't you know what we're communicating to them we're communicating you're in charge and when our children are small, we don't want to teach them how to be in charge. We want to first teach them how to follow, follow before you lead. You see, the best leaders 
are the best followers. Teach them how to follow before they learn how to lead. Jesus said it like this. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. Limit choices early on. Number three is this. Number three is this. Train your child's heart through non-conflict instruction. Train your child's heart, your grandchildren's heart through non-conflict instruction. One of the best ways and one of the best times to train our children is when they're not in trouble. Because oftentimes during discipline, emotions are high and our children's emotions are high and they're not learning from the situation because they're emotional. Or sometimes as parents, we're just angry and we're frustrated or we're in a hurry and we don't take time to train their heart. And I want to encourage all of us as parents, our best talks should happen when they're not in trouble. Use everyday moments in life just to teach them and to train them and to develop your children. Scripture says it like this in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk. Notice it didn't say scream. It didn't say yell. Yeah. It says talk about them when you sit down with your children at home. You're teaching them everyday life. When you, when you walk along the road, taking a walk on the road, just teach your children. When you lie down, you're just relaxing at the house on the couch. Teach your children. If it was in the 21st century, this was back in the Bible days, there were no cars. It would say, when you're driving in your car, teach your children. Use everyday moments to teach your children. And I, I do this a lot. Or maybe I'm driving down the road and my children see something and, and, and maybe we, uh, something happening wrong. And, and I'll just teach them, you know, that's what happens when you make poor decisions, unwise decisions. Man, here's kind of the consequences. So we want to make wise decisions because if we don't, it can impact our life. Or they'll ask me about some athlete or something that they heard. And, and I'll just teach them, well, let me talk to you about that. And you see, you see, when you make poor decisions, here's what happens. And, and then here's the, how it impacts your life. And, and so when you handle your money that way, here's what happens. So here's how we want to handle our money. Here's, listen, if you treat people that way, here's what happens when you treat people that way. So we want to respect people. We want to honor people. We want to honor your teachers. And, and so just teach them about everyday life, how we treat people, how you treat young ladies, how you treat, how you treat other folks. And we just want to teach our everyday life. When we talk, when we're sitting down, when we're walking, when we're lying down, when we're driving, those are the best moments Train our children's heart doing non-conflict instruction. Number four is this. Number four is this. The type of correction depends on the motives. The type of correction depends on the motives. One of our primary jobs as parents is to discern the motives of our children. Is to know our children. Is to discern the motives of their heart. And we have to ask ourselves, are our child's actions, were they accidental or intentional? Was it childishness or was it foolishness? Childishness is something that's innocent. Foolishness is something defiant. Scripture says this about childishness in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I spoke, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child because children are not reasoning at a higher level. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Every child, parent, understand this. We have to really understand this. Every child does childish things. Even some adults do childish things. How many of you sit next to a grown adult that does childish things? Don't point. Look at me and wink. <laughs> Children. 
Children have childish behavior. And, and, and a childish, innocent act doesn't need discipline. It needs grace. Like, for instance, sitting at the table and your child spills the milk. And you might be frustrated. And I've been there before. And you're like, why did you do that? Don't you know? Spill the milk. Why did you? Don't spill the milk. Don't spill the milk. Why you spill the milk? How you spill the milk? Why you spill the milk? You spill the milk. Why you spill the milk? They're like, don't ever give me milk again. <laughs> it was just an accident. It was innocent. But, but now we're punishing. We're bringing discipline to something that was just childish. We have to, when, it, when it's innocent, when it's childish, we want to show grace. Then there's foolishness. And Proverbs says in Proverbs 22 and verse 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. And, and, and the, the, the foolishness is when they know what to do and then they just decide not to do it. Or they know not to do it and they do it anyway. That's open rebellion. That's defiant behavior that needs discipline. And let me say, parents, let me say to our grandparents, before you discipline your children, you're, you're seeing defiant behavior or you're seeing foolishness from your child. I want to encourage you to take one minute before you discipline. Take one minute and ask yourself four questions before you discipline your children. Four questions to ask yourself before you discipline your children. Don't just react. Pause for a moment. Ask yourself these questions. Number one is this. How frequent is the offense? How frequent is the offense? Now, the first time you might show grace, it's, it wasn't that big of a deal, but you're saying a little defiant, but you might show grace. If, it, if it's repeated, a repeated offense, they're displaying foolishness and they need to be disciplined. Here's a second question just to ask yourself. What's the context of the moment? What's the context of the moment? Sometimes what you think happened didn't really happen in the way it appears. So you have to get context. And man, I've blown it on several occasions here. Uh, I, I saw something and I just made quick judgments. I know what happened here. And then now you're getting in trouble and you got discipline. And after I discipline, I always talk to our children. I sit down. We just have conversation. Calm down. We just talk. And so then I start talking to them and they start explaining to me and they start explaining some more. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I thought I had my mind around this. Now, what happened? Huh? Huh? Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I should have never did that before. I should have never... You should have never got in trouble. I'm sorry, because if I would have just taken my time and got context first, it would have changed how I disciplined. So take a moment and get con the context of the moment, because it may not be what, what you think it is. Number three is this. What is your child's age? What is your child's age? Discipline should change as your children get older. Now, Tiffany and I, we taught our kids first-time obedience and and that's one of the things that we did right. When our children were small, we taught, we taught them first-time obedience by, through, through spankings. And so they understood we, we, need to, we need to obey. They understood the rules. They understood the boundaries. But, but now that our children are older, we use different methods of discipline. So our youngest will turn 11 this summer. Our oldest will turn 16 this year. So we're going to have three teenagers this summer, and we have an 11-year-old this summer. So now how we discipline looks different from when they were little. So let me give you parents that have older children, you're raising teenagers, let me give you some ideas on, that, that you can use to discipline your children. Here, here's some ideas. Remove electronics and games. You're not as spiritual as the other servers. They clapped the last service. They were like. <laughs> I thought, man, the spirit's breaking out in this church over there, removing electronics and games. Uh, another idea would be take away friend time. You can't, can't hang with your friends. 
uh, take away car time. You, you can't drive the car. You can't drive your car. You can't drive a car. You can't drive. Some of you are like, no, I'm not removing car time. Go get your brother. Go get your sister. Take them. Take them to practice. And pick about no pastor. That's a horrible idea. Okay, I understand. Uh, another idea would be earlier curfew. Earlier curfew. Or extra chores. Here's a great one, parents. Let your teen face the natural consequences. Don't, don't bail them out of everything. You did that, and you're like, that's not good. Yeah, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praying for you. Praying for you. Yeah, I'm praying for you. You got to face that. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Right? Let them face the natural consequences. Uh, another one will be let them pay to fix what they broke or destroyed. Let, let, them, let them pay for it. Your, your child's age matters. Number four is this. Number four is this. What is the overall characterization of your child's behavior? So before you discipline, you want to ask yourself this question. What is the overall characterization of your child's behavior? You want to pay attention to who they are, their overall behavior. So you have to begin to pay attention. Really ask yourself questions like, how do they treat people? Are they always like this or just out of character? What's their attitude like normally? How do they treat their siblings? Do they respect and respond to authority in the right way? Or are they disrespectful? Just look at their overall character. So before you discipline, ask yourself these questions, and it will help you determine the severity of the discipline that your child needs. Remember, parents, our goal for parenting is to mine out the treasure that God has placed on the inside of our children. I taught you that week one. Here's point number five as we're looking at effective ways to discipline. Number five. Show them, don't tell them. Show them, don't tell them. Parents, lean in to me. Grandparents, lean in. Right now, this is so key. One of our biggest roles as parents is to provide parental example. We need to be the example. We need to work at really being the role model for our children. The Apostle Paul, who was a spiritual father, had spiritual sons and daughters, he wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul says, follow me. I'm setting the pace. I'm a role model as I follow Christ. And parents, we want the ownership of our children's behavior to fall on us more than it falls on them. And what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, ask yourself, are you modeling the behavior that you want your children to have? Are you modeling the behavior that you tell them not to have? Are you setting the example? You tell your children, don't you cuss, don't cuss. And they hear you all the time, bleep, boop, bleep, boop, boop. Are you setting the example? You tell your children, don't lie, don't lie to people. Don't lie at school. Don't lie to people. Your cell phone rings. Your child picks it up and answers it. Tell them I'm out of here. <laughs> Show them, don't tell them. You tell your children, don't, don't smoke. Don't, I don't want you to smoke, but, and then maybe you smoke. You tell your children, don't scream. Don't you scream. Don't you be yelling at people. Don't you be screaming at people. And all of a sudden, you go, ah, you go, ah. And here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, don't provoke your children to anger. And do you know one of the biggest ways we provoke our children to anger? When we tell our children, don't do what I do, do what I say. Parents, I want to encourage us. 
Show them, don't just tell them. Show them, don't, you're setting the pace on behavior. Show them, don't tell them. Show them, don't tell them. Live your life. I'm striving for this in my whole life. Live your life in a way you can say to your children, follow me. Follow what I do as I follow Jesus Christ.